When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back to Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 123, recording on April 10th, 2019, one day before the 2019 National Hockey League playoffs start. I uh, got a very special guest. I'm um, flying solo today. Um, court could not uh, uh, accommodate the time, so I'm going solo with a special guest, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, but I have to mention Seat Giant. Uh, go to SeatGiant.com and .ca to purchase all your tickets. Use discount code BNGP to save some cash on either SeatGiant.com in the United States or SeatGiant.ca in Canada. And remember to use discount code BNGP for any concert, theater, or sporting event in Canada and the U.S. SeatGiant, a better ticket purchase experience. Um, so with the NHL postseason officially underway today and the game, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs with Boston Bruins tomorrow night. I thought it would be a good idea to have um, one of the, in my opinion, one of the young and up-and-coming uh, Boston sports media types, along with my guest yesterday, Mr. Aaron um, Evan Marinovsky, uh, which was a fantastic guest. I have on today Mr. Matt Castle. Matt Castle is a Boston Bruins reporter for uh, BruinsDaily.com and a recent addition. This is so badass. Recent addition to NBC Boston Sports, uh, their sports team as a uh, production assistant. That's uh, congratulations on that. And Matt's Thank Twitter, you. please follow him, people. He's a fantastic Bruins writer and a great Bruins personality. Uh, frequently from the ninth floor, I might add. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Castle. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? Great. Um, to, uh, great to be on the show. Um, 
happy to be here. So you know what? I like you because you you know you're a returning guest. So once you're a returning guest, well, you're not going to be able to get rid of us. <laughs> we'll be hounding hey. you on Twitter all the time now. I'm happy to come on the show whenever. Nice, I love it. Um, what I want to start off with, and, and just because it's one on one, I kind of the time frame. We have ten questions that we're going to get to, but. I really wanted to take the time and f find out who Matt Castle is and where he got the, the sports grip as a young kid and then started the, the path to a sports media journalist. I'm, I'm curious on, on the whole trail. Okay, so uh, we're going to start way back. It starts with my dad. Or, wow, big voice crack there. <laughs> starts with my dad. He was a goalie. He played – in Potsdam, New York, grew up in Potsdam, New York, was a goalie. And uh, I kind of just grew up in a hockey family from there. My brother played. Uh, I played. I was a left winger. So growing up, played hockey since I was like four, played a little in high school. And then actually the main thing I did was soccer. So that was a lot of sports. Um, and then got to Penn State, and they just had like – a plethora of opportunities to become like a media person. And I actually got on with Sarah Sivian, who is now a big time reporter. We covered the Penn state hockey team for three or four years together. And we did the, the whole thing of taking them to the regionals and all that NCAAs. And that was a really good platform for me to springboard into my first years covering the Bruins. So it's been a great experience so far with Bruins Daily, doing some stuff for Boston.com, and uh, now jumping on with NBC. I'm not writing for NBC right now, but hopefully sometime in the future, that's a thing. That is so awesome, and congratulations, by the way. You, got, you really deserve it. And, um, yeah, speaking of Sarah, she's a, she moved on to the, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes uh, franchise, and she's writing for them for the athletics so another fantastic follow and great hockey writer um and, and it's good to see women uh getting into the fold it really is uh so, absolutely yeah congrats to her congrats to you and 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 congrats to the boston bruins all together man i mean it, this another season that you just didn't know where they were going to go um especially in the beginning this is the second second year that they've they've gotten off to a really tough start um and then kind of and due to injuries but it kind of came around at the middle of the season, right around the all-star break or, or, you know, holiday break, whatever you want to call it. And then got healthier and then really started to find chemistry together. And then just went on a tear um, to go 19 straight uh, games with a point and then really position themselves, even though they really didn't gain with those 19 points anywhere on um, the Tampa Bay lightning. But like, what are your thoughts for a whole season, just from the start to the beginning and where we are today? Honestly, um, well, to, to go back to last season, first off, coming into the year, the Bruins had a lot of expectations because they kind of, like this year, went on a tear at the end. And then they kind of flamed out against Tampa Bay where they went into Tampa Bay, won the first game, and then lost four straight. It was kind of like, uh, wow, we, we could have done more. So right off the bat, they, they wanted to come in with, well, they had high expectations. And then you start off the year with the China trip. So that kind of like complicates things. But in all, all being said, like the injuries, it's been a rocky road, like you said. But they should be happy where they found themselves. Because with the, the amount of injuries, the young guys that have had to step up, 
They finished second in the NHL in points, 107. They're second in the NHL. That's pretty pretty darn good. Um, so I think they should be happy with where they're at. I'm happy where they're at. And they've shown time and time again when they're clicking on all four cylinders and they can trot out four lines of just constant pressure, pressure, pressure. They're one of the toughest outs in the NHL. I think they're going to show that this series. Uh, as a as a media member that follows a team a lot, and especially in Boston, um, I've, I assume practices are involved too with your schedule. Mm-hmm. Towards right, let's let's just go from the middle of the season to yep. the end. Could you see this team gelling so much in the locker room and and oh, yeah. out, outside of the rink? And could you see that that family presence grow even further towards the end of the season? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think like the winter classic turned to the second half of the season. There was definitely a different vibe in the locker room. You could tell there's like, there was more of like cohesiveness. Like, I don't know what clicked it off, but it, it just kind of snow started snowballing and it's kind of blossomed into this, like really, it's a really fun environment to be in is the best way to describe it. And you can see that, uh, like just on social media too, yeah. Corey Crew, Brad Marchand, Pasternak, they're all throwing jabs at each other, but it's in good fun and the team's having success. But uh, just like little jokes here and there between guys, like it, it really rubs off like on media members, like uh, Brad Marchand just walking by and like a towel, like throwing a chirp at like someone who's in an interview scrum with everyone. It's just, it's fun to be a part of. And I think that definitely adds to like, well, obviously team unity, but the team moving forward, they're, they're just, uh, they're one big unit. I would say family too. Family is yeah. a good word to, to drop for the Boston Bruins. So it's been fun to watch. Yeah. You can definitely see that in the way that they, they celebrate uh, each other's accomplishments, especially most recently when, when Brad Moshen got his hundredth point, um, just the audio, it was, it was audio gold, just the brotherhood that you could see. Uh, in here was just awesome. And it was just, you know, I believe it was always there with this club, but it's it just, maybe it's just because it's new, it's fresh, it's a new toy to me. Mm-hmm. It just seems like we're seeing it a lot more this year than ever in the past. Yeah, I agree with that. It definitely come to a whole nother level for sure. And yeah, well, I think a part of it, like you said, the accomplishments, everyone's setting records this year. The top line, they each member, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, new career high. Yeah. And that's crazy, crazy, dude. That's another thing about the Boston Bruins. They've done career highs with injuries. Pasternak played 16 less games than he did last year and set a new career high. That's just yeah. a testament to how good he is. Like, And I'm really happy that he did set a new career high because the season he was having, he deserved it. Like. He's he's a stud, and I'm I'm happy to see him. He's kind of blossomed right before our eyes, to be honest. He's now one of the premier talents in the NHL, and he, it's cool. He's still the he's still the Bruins rat. He's he's still the agitator, mm-hmm. but you didn't really see a lot of him getting engaged in that role heavily this year. Um, is it uh, is it due to maturity, or is it, or do you think that the, the that the management might have said, listen? You gotta change your ways because we can't we can't have you suspended again and lose time because if you're not in this lineup, you're not helping. Well, they actually talked about uh, that the other day. I believe it was Bruce Cassidy said that 
Marshan told him that he was going to, like, try to be less of an agitator because they needed him on the ice. And especially this year, like you said, when Pasternak, Bergeron are out, who, who's going to step up on the offense? He's the yeah. only guy there. And he's really matured. Not that he wasn't mature, but he obviously was a pest and he knew he could get under people's skin. This year he kind of just hard hat to work, head down, and just grinded. And he was – one of the he was the top line member that got off to a kind of slow start points wise and then he turned it on he's got a hundred points triple digits good for brad marshan i know it says it's just amazing and it's actually amazing that that he did it this year and it, and it really made me think that i can't believe this is the first time because we've seen him be a, a point producer on a regular but i just guess i really never really looked back and see has he ever crossed that century mark just because of the way he plays and the, the amount of points he puts up per season. So, um, so let's talk about some playoffs. Um, and what the, the Toronto Maple Leaf series is just, oh, I mean, I talked about this with Evan in court last night on episode 122. And I don't like, I, I'm not a fan of the playoff structure they have right now. And I'm really not happy that it's going to be around for another season. And we talked about it last night that the at, at the NHLPA and the um, the owners or whatever they said that they they don't want to make any changes for at least a year. So which means that this could be a valued topic during the um, during a potential lockout uh, and and work stoppage. So I'd like to go back to the one eight. I don't know what what are your thoughts on this whole on this whole craziness? Oh yeah, I mean it's kind of. A broken record. Um, I agree with it, what everyone's been saying all year. I mean, there's no need for the second seed and the five seed in the NHL to be playing first round. That's just, like, ridiculous. Because you work all year to get the best seed so you don't have to play someone the first round. Then it's just like, well, why are we even doing this? The Bruins just worked their butt off all year, and now they have to play a top five team in the NHL first round. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. But uh, – I. Like Tuca said the other day, if you're going to win the cup, like you got to beat everyone. I mean, obviously you want the easiest road, but this is the NHL. I don't agree with it, but that's the hand we're dealt. And you, you, they just got to do it, I guess. Yeah. Us, us versus everyone. That's the mentality they got to have. They got to go in there, whoever the NHL says play, and just mow them down one after another. Yeah, then nothing comes easy, uh, league. <laughs> All right, let's get some some playoffs. Um, uh, the Bruins face the Maple Leafs for the 16th time in postseason history, and the third time since 19. Uh, I'm sorry, 19, 2013. What are your thoughts going into the seven game tilt uh, and final expectations? Do you want a prediction? I'm, I, I, from what Produce, I saw, yeah. is, is this what you're going to drop the bomb on Twitter? I mean, when you when you're talking to court <laughs> earlier. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll, right. I'll just give you general general thoughts. So I think this is going to be a great series. Uh, like we were saying before, two great hockey teams. It's not going to be a cakewalk for the Boston Bruins whatsoever. I think you just look at the star talent of Toronto. It's, it needs no introduction. John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley. You could go on and on. They can score. They They put up 281 goals this year, which is second in the Eastern Conference. So Expect a team that can score. The one thing that Toronto doesn't do well, at least against the Bruins, is defend well. That's the thing that the Bruins can exploit. We've seen in the past that 
they, the Bruins can put up numbers just as easily as Toronto can. And uh, I think it's going to be an exciting series. And another thing you have to think about is the motivation factor for Toronto, getting ousted A last year and B in 2013 by the Bruins, both in seven games. So um, I think I'm really excited. I'm really excited to get the playoffs going here, and I think everyone else should be too. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love a good uh, original six series. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, man, I was listening to uh, Hockey Central at New with the podcast at work today, and they, they were just saying that it, it's really good that the original six really drive this league and they're, you know, a uh, real component and uh, not taking a back seat to, you know, clubs like, I hate to say it, like the Florida Panthers and so on. But, um, but this series is just – it's it's building up. I like the playoff structure a little bit for these matchups, but yeah. like you like you said, you know, when you get the uh, teams in the top five, they're going to be out in the first round. It's kind of ridiculous. But what I like about this matchup is they only they only played four times, and the last time they played was in January. So so a majority of these games were were done at the be like the the beginning part of the season, mm-hmm. and. The Bruins come out three to one, and the one home game for the Bruins was on December eighth, two thousand eighteen. It was a sixty-three pounding of the bees. That was the only home game. The rest of the games were in Toronto, mm-hmm. and the Bruins still came away with a two and one. So, thoughts going forward on the schedule, how the Bruins played at home, and how they play on the road. Is it any benefactor to? that in the series or are you still mowing this team over uh well touching on the schedule uh the Bruins regular season schedule like you said is kind of weird because they did all the Montreal and Toronto very early yeah. and then they backloaded it with like four games against Tampa Bay two of which when it didn't really matter so I was like all right cool Sounds like um, it was planned <laughs> but I've loved obviously the Bruins play better at home. It's well documented. They're one of the best teams at home. Um, and that that's great when you have home ice advantage in a seven-game series. So that, I give that edge to Boston, obviously. Um, and like you said, they've, they've done well in Toronto this year. And they've had Toronto's number of late. So I, I can see them, if even say they drop a game at home, that they could go into Toronto and steal a game, you know? So it's – it's not life or death if they lose a home game. I think they have the ability to go on the road, enemy territory, and, you know, win a game or two. So um, I don't think they're going to mow them over. My, if we're, I'll just give my official prediction I put out a logo is Bruins in six. So, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm a six. I'm a six guy with a with a with a seven optimistic, you know, th- you know, yeah. theory. But um, yeah, I, I just it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting series. And 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 what I get most ex- excited about it is definitely the goal scoring. And what I liked about the regular season, the four games that they had against the Maple Leafs, that they outscored them. I mean, you, yeah. you like you said, with all that firepower on that team, the Bruins still managed to shut down a lot of those guys. Um, that were coming into the zone. So uh, in, in the four games, the Bruins outscored the Maple Leafs 16-10. to 10. And um, 
Obviously, they have a 29-9-3 record at the Garden and a 20-15-6 record on the road. Mm-hmm. And the, that road record definitely got better towards the latter half of the year. So um, it's a good thing. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to say six, but seven's not out of the ordinary. I'm More or less, I'd love to say sweep them and just get, <laughs> and just get the rest, but I know it's not going to happen. This I team would is, be so shocked. Not because I don't think the Bruins are good. I just have a lot of respect for Toronto. For oh, yeah, Bruins. absolutely. Hey, that'd be the biggest statement of the NHL playoffs that the Bruins swept the Maple Leafs <laughs> in the first round. Are you kidding me? Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> I just see Court now running through the streets of Toronto if they swept <laughs> with his Bruins jersey, just going nuts. <laughs> we might never hear from him again. I know. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um Lot, lots of youth talk, and I, I think you're going to appreciate this from a young guy and, and a young up-and-coming um, sports dude. But uh, thoughts on um, Connor Clifton, Carson Coleman being heavily rumored for their first playoff action as soon as tomorrow night. Yeah, so uh, they've both seen a lot of action. I've been at practice every day this week, and they've been, they've been in the lineup, uh, the most recent lineup. I don't know if it's going to be the final one. Bruce Cassidy says he's going to unveil that tomorrow. Um, but Connor Clifton was taking third-line reps with Matt Grizzlick, so that would potentially be the pairing. And Coleman would be on the second-line right wing with Krejci and DeBrusque. And um, I don't know. I think uh, Connor Clifton – I like Connor Clifton a lot because of his physicality. He, like, it doesn't seem too big for him. Like, he's not that big of a guy. Like, I'm not too tall of a guy either, but I was next to him in the locker room today, and he, he didn't have me by a ton. But uh, he can he can lay the body like a lot, like no other. It's crazy. He, yeah. he, he's shown it time and time again where it doesn't matter the size of the guy. He's going to lay, lay the lumber. So I, I like his play so far. I mean, the one thing that you do have to be worried about is inexperience. He's a rookie. So, um. But then again, being on the third line, I think they'll manage that. I don't think they'll be playing him a ton of minutes, at least I don't think right away. Um, Situational minutes. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Grizz looks a good guy to be paired with because he's a puck-moving guy, gets it out quick. So I don't think he'll be in a ton of troublesome stops. I actually kind of like that pair where you have like the skill guy on one side and then you have a guy that can just body whoever on the other. I like that pairing a lot. And they're – they're young and athletic, so I think it gives them a different dynamic. But we'll see how that goes. I, it's either him or Stephen Camper, and no disrespect to Stephen Camper, but he doesn't like – he's not like a Charlie McAvoy where you need him in the lineup, you know what I mean? Right. So we'll see what the kid has. In terms of Carson Coleman, I think Bruce Cassidy's doing that because, one, he's grinded his way. The Like, I did not expect Carson Coleman to be second-line right winger first game of the playoffs at the start of this season. No. Not, like – We not weren't talking my, about this in development camp. <laughs> yeah, like, not in my wildest dreams, I think, Carson Coleman. But uh, he's a grinder. And what Bruce Cassidy said that he's doing, he's, he's dressing his fastest lineup. And Carson Coleman has wheels. Yeah, if you have Carson speed. Coleman – See him on Thursday night. Guy's got wheels. Um, and pair him with DeBrus, like two wingers, just absolutely cooking up the wings. So that's what the, the game plan is. And I think he's, for his size, he's done well. He's, not, again, like a smaller guy. But 
he's held his own and I think he's Don Sweeney said that he earned the opportunity to be here and I don't disagree with that statement so I don't think they can rely heavily on these guys being like their rookie seasons but I think they will play a, a decent part in in what they got going Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, Coleman for me um, down in Providence, just watching his game at the beginning, it just seemed like he was really uh, timid to, and adjusting to the uh, pro level, just coming right out of the NCAA, winning a national championship and, and captaining that team. Um, but then, uh, like, midseason, when – like, Providence, Providence had a tough time in the beginning of the year, too. They just – Yeah. And, 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 and along with the, with the NHL Bruins – the rosters were going up and down and fluctuation down in the development levels was just, I mean, Jay Leach had, had, had a tough time to find anybody to work with anybody. You know what I'm saying? But then once, once the new year started coming around, things picked up for them too. They started getting better. They started getting healthy members back to the lineup and, um, and AHL contracted members coming back from injuries. And then they went on a little run themselves. So, but I think that's when, when everything started clicking and the chemistry started to come together, that's when I saw Coleman really buy in a lot and he was primarily using the top two lines when you saw uh, a journeyman per se player like Zach Sendishin yeah um, was was going up and down the line and not getting fourth line minutes because he deserved it it's because Jay Leach is the type of person that runs four lines of offense and likes to make everybody go through the rotation and prepare them for every situation no matter what yep so, and that's one of uh, Coleman's biggest attributes is they said he's a plug and play guy. You can drop him in any situation and he'll, he'll fit in. So he's, he's a chameleon. Person. Yeah, exactly. Great word, by the way. Oh, uh, terminology. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, kudos to Carson Coleman at winning a national championship and then just working his butt off. And now he's potentially going to start in game one of the Stanley cup playoffs. Like, not to throw any shade at anyone, but like all the big wig media, I remember we were sitting in development camp and they're all tweeting out their lines or like potential lineups or what the roster is going to be. Not a single one of them had Carson Coleman and they're getting paid the big bucks. <laughs> we're out here, we're grinding. So let's go Carson Coleman, the little guy. Nice. I'm with you, buddy. Um, yeah, I was, I was impressed when I saw him at, at, at what I'm most impressed off is, is the year. I mean, it is almost a year that he's been signed. And he wins the national championship, goes to Providence, does his thing, starts off in Providence, does his thing, and then works his way up to the NHL and scores a goal, scores two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's a storybook kind of thing right there. That's, that reminds me of Frank Petrano back in the same day when he left yeah. UMass, goes to the, uh, Providence, and then in the NHL level all in that year. So pretty, pretty similar, uh, different uh, regions of the country, obviously. But, you know, a good story. I, I, I'm rooting for him. I really want to see him. More or less, I really want to see that right wing get um, solidified. I want I somebody. I want somebody to take it, and if somebody doesn't take it this year and do it uh, on a cap friendly number, then they really have to attack the free agent free agency mm-hmm. this summer and address that. Because if Zinishin's not coming up, if any of the guys out of Providence are not coming up to do it, then now it's time to spend the money. Yeah. So. It, no, the thing is, it's like that's been an open position all year and like just no one can grab it. But I know. it's also because the the lineup fluctuates so much. Like there's been so little consistency. Like they've been 
chopping up the lines, bits and pieces here and there. Like Heinen has played on pretty much every single line. Yeah. I like he's going to be playing on the third line most likely to start game one, but he's been on the top line with Bergeron. He's been on the second line with Krejci, third, fourth line. Like there just hasn't been a rhyme or reason to it. And I mean, this season, who do you think has been the second, like the best second line right winger? Oh, because <laughs> I like it, I don't it think really can't cut one. You really can't think back to the season and like I mean like the plug and plays got kind of guys are there and there like Heinen. I thought his best games of the season was up with Marshy and Vergy. Yeah, and th- those two can make anybody look good. Exactly. But I then, like but it. then, then he goes down to the second and third lines, even the fourth line, at random times. And he just doesn't seem like he can get that offensive jump like yeah. it's expected to have up on that first line. I agree, but I mean, that's also you're playing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, two best, two of the best in the business. But yeah. I do like him on the the third line has been clicking the last two games. Uh, even against Tampa, that line was clicking. Mojo and Coyle, they have some serious chemistry, and Heinen was actually shooting the puck with some confidence, which is great to see because. Heinen's one of those guys where he's kind of like, I don't know, I wouldn't say like shy or like timid on the ice, but he, he can he can hide sometimes, you know. Yeah. And when he's he's clicking, that's good news for the Bruins. So. Yeah, he's he's got a hell of an NHL release. Yeah, I big mean, time. Just, but he I wish he used shoot it. it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, some uh, listener questions. Um, has has Boston got to the right blend of youth? and experience for playoff hockey. This is from our own Chris Green, who writes for our blackandgoldhockey.com website. I think they do have a good mixture. Um, I mean, even one of their best stars is Dave Pasternak, what, 22, 23 years old? Um, but they have, like, throughout their lineup, you have you have a veteran presence of Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Chara, Rass, like the, the veteran core that you need to make a run. And I would, I'll put Brad Marsh on in that group, even though he's not like old, but he's one of the veteran guys. And then you have young gunners like McAvoy, stud, DeBrusque, stud, Pasternak, stud, like really good young guys. Um, and then you have like not bottom feeders, but like the rookies, like a Connor Clifton and, and those guys that – that need to make a name for themselves. So you have the top like veteran guys Then I would actually like, there's a, another tier where you have like Krug, um, Brandon Carlo, Carlo's playing in his first passion, talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that. And it's players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm so pumped. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do like their blend. They have a nice mixture of veterans that, that aren't, like, agey veterans. They're not all, like, a like David Backus, you know what I mean? They're, like, Bergeron can still play. Like, that guy's got oh, yeah. a lot of years left on the, the – a lot of tread on the tires. Um, Krejci having one of the best years that he's had in a while. Like, their veteran guys aren't, like, veteran, veteran. They're they're just solid veterans. Um, and then the, the youth, I think, we've seen DeBrusque 
take a step this year, 27 goals in the regular season. We've seen Pasternak take a step, first-time All-Star. And then, like I said, the younger guys filling in too. So I do like their blend. Um, they've got a nice jump in their step. When they, have, they address their fastest lineup, they, they can move. So uh, I think that will be a big strength going against Toronto. Um, so, yeah, it will be nice to see. I know I asked this last night, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it, it's about David Backus. And, and uh, this is from Yanni. Oh, boy. Um, Yanni, let's – yeah. Yanni writes for – Yanni writes for us. He's our, uh, a writer at the blackandgoldhockey.com mm-hmm. website, and that name is, is bad. I mean, it's a good, great name, Yanni. I love your brother, but I cannot <laughs> do it. I cannot do it. But uh, thoughts on David Backus not being in the lineup. and and you, it just kind of goes into your, your whole veteran leadership thing. What does that um, do? I, here's the thing. David Backus, he – it's tough because, well, on one hand, you're paying him $6 million to sit on the bench, which is never a great thing, especially in the playoffs. If you're paying a guy $6 million, you're, you're expecting him to, to contribute, at least be on the ice at least be in a sweater, you know, not on the ninth floor with me. If you're paying me $6 million, I better be on the ice. <laughs> um, but then again, you got to see if he's, like, earned it. Has David Backus really done – t- I know he's got the leadership qualities and he's, like, a solid presence in the lineup. But, like, he do- I don't know if he, would- he fits. And I mean, Nordstrom doesn't pop for me either, but it's one of those two, I think uh, – their best lineup I don't know if he's he makes the cut is the thing so it's not uh, like a, a slight at David Backus it's just Bruce Cassidy said he's gonna play his best players and I don't know I mean we'll probably see David Backus at some point during the playoffs I mean he's he's a veteran guy and sometimes you need that just depending on the matchup and Bruce Cassidy I keep saying this said who wants the fastest lineup David Backus does not fit that criteria yeah, that's kind of why I brought that that question right into it is because you said that, and and even Bruce said it. I mean, kind of hinted around that Toronto's a fast team. It's very extremely fast team, and not pointing fingers at, it, but he kind of like just but when he says when he said that and he comes out with a lineup, it's pretty much you know in set in stone that what he meant. Yeah. It just meant that David Backus is not ready for a Toronto Maple Leafs for at least for the first game. Let them evaluate and see how it goes. If if the Bruins do not win and they play terrible, he could easily be inserted to, to try to, you know, create a spark if if at all possible. It's crazy how much he's slid down the lineup. I know. To, think, to start the to start the year, he was like he's a lock to be in the lineup. And now it's like David Backus, you gotta you gotta roll your like uh you're rolling the dice every time Bruce Cassidy trots out the lineup. You're like, I don't know if David Backus is gonna be in it. Like it's a it's a coin flip. So Well it's a huge coin flip in my eyes too, because the fact is that you number one, you mentioned the the whole salary thing. It's six million dollars. You know, they don't get paid in the playoffs. We understand that. But I mean they do if they win. But um you know, it's just it just seems to me that it's a good position to have him as a veteran. But it's also a good position that he's sitting because the youth is pushing players like him out, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, whether you're sitting on the ninth floor alongside you having some popcorn <laughs> or a buyout. I mean, yeah. something's going to happen because there's a lot of, there's a, there's a 
a, a plethora of, of prospects down in Providence that there are is so urgent. Many, yeah, there are so many good players that, uh, yeah, David, unless David Backus like, reinvents himself and becomes the David Backus of old, I don't know. Like, there is a pool of talent, and we haven't even talked about Jack Studnicka, one of our no. – how do you say his last name? Studnicka? Studnicka, yeah. Stud. That yeah, guy is filthy. <laughs> he's going to be on the Bruins in the in the near future, I hope so. Yeah, if he can't make the lineup with these guys, the, that's all, yeah. I mean, so. Tough one. Move on. All right. Dan LaFranc uh, from the awesome Bruins Vault Facebook group wants to know your thoughts about the youth depth and particularly the ones playing in Providence. Man, you're segueing really well into these whole questions. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, the youth depth, I, I love it. There's so much uh, youth talent. Just on the, the decor, I mean, you have Vakaninen, Jeremy Lozon, Zaboral, Connor Clifton, uh, I mean, I know he's not in Providence, but uh, Axel Anderson loved him at development camp. Guy, he's like yeah. a mini Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. Or like a Grizzly. You know, he's a, a puck moving guy, like great with his hips and stuff. Put some uh, weight on. He's going to be a great player. Yeah. Second rounder last year. So, and I, lo- I love watching that guy. Anyone that can skate like a Charlie McAvoy, I enjoy watching. Like, right. there's like crew to a certain extent, and Axel Anderson, great skaters, worth the price of admission. Um, but yeah, so the depth on the, the D core is great. And like we were just saying on the offense, they, there's so many, like so many players that have a chance to take the next step if they really want to take it. I mean, we've seen a lot of them on Boston this year, like JFK, Carson Coleman, Trent Frederick, yeah. Trent Frederick. One thing about him hasn't got on the stat sheet, which has kind of been disappointing, but had that one fight, which I think won the the fans over, but well, that's a different topic for another day. Um, and then you have guys like Seneshen getting uh, some action. So um, I know I'm forgetting some guys too, but they have like a lot of promise in, in Providence. So, and like you said, they're pushing some of the veteran guys to stay in the league. And eventually within the next year or two, you'll see more and more of them up uh in the league. So it's, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm extremely thrilled with the, the, uh, the roster or the team in Providence and how they work. I know that a lot of people that listen to the show and a lot of Bruins fans in particularly, uh, you know, think that they, they, these players, excuse me, that get drafted, they should be in the NHL as soon as they leave the podium, you know, like, so, but I, I, I'm not a guy that wants to rush anything. So I'm pretty much like uh, just properly developed. But I see a lot of good things down in Providence, and I wish that people would get more involved in in that. And and believe me, folks, AHL TV is a lot better than New Leon used to be, and it's cheap now. It's like seventy eight dollars. You can get every team in the AHL for. 78 bucks where it used to be almost $350 to get all those teams. Mm -hmm. So it's come down so much cheaper that these folks can actually afford to pay and buy and watch these guys. My biggest pet peeve when you talk about prospects is when you go on to eliteprospects.com and you just stat, you just look at stats that, that bothers me and says, why this, that's the exact reason why this guy's not in the NHL is because Mm -hmm. he's got nine goals in 67 games. 
well, how can you tell? How can you tell the way he's being used? You know, how can you properly evaluate by numbers? You have to, the eye test is so huge to me. So I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated because they want to see Sanishin on, on a regular in the NHL. And because they can't see that, they have, they have the right to throw the red flags up and bitch that he's a, a, a bust and this and that, you know. I just, but the, another thing to touch on Providence before we move on and, and before you jump on is, um, is the leadership down there too. Um, getting Paul Carey, which who I believe is, um, is good for the, for the Bruins depth, uh, cause he could be used at the NHL level. I re didn't really care for what I saw cause it's probably just a new thing for him too. Um, but what he's done down there. And when you hear Sonnenstein say that players like him, Jordan Swartz and, and, and others, uh, they help him. General yeah. Smith, you know what I mean? And those guys were helping him in all those situations. And when he, when, when, Seneshin mentioned all those players. It's funny because he was mentioning somebody on each line that he played on. So it wasn't just somebody, yeah. two people on the same line. He was going up and down the lineup saying that this person helped me on the first, that mm -hmm. person second, third, fourth, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I love the, the middle depth. I love the way it's going. So we'll see. Yeah. But. One thing I want to add uh, to Providence, hopefully Anders Bjork can, can find it. That guy – he he needs a break. Like he's he's got some serious potential. He's got wheels. Hopefully stuff can break his way and he can stay healthy because I think he's got a lot of promise. Yeah, I, I do too. I think he's a solid prospect. He just it's just coming under a, a a ridiculously bad luck for the past two seasons with injuries. Yeah, and that's tough. And and another one that I can't I you know when when I talk to people, they're always like. Oh, he's so soft. He's so soft. He's only been in the NHL for this many games. He's too soft. It's like, no. People get hurt. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Sam Killup, a listener from the United Kingdom and member of the UK Bruins fans group, uh, wants to know whether we think Carson Coleman, Jeremy Lawson, and Connor Clifton have all earned roster spots next season. Um, depends who comes back first off, if they, if they've resigned everyone too, and who's healthy. So well, I got, I, I got cat friendly up right now. Um, they haven't done them a disservice. I'll say that they've definitely, they're put a lot to the good for sure. I just, like I said, depends cause they got to resign some people in the off season, I believe. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not positive, but isn't McAvoy up for contracts in? Oh, yeah. And then they're going to have to shell out some money for him if they want to keep him, I think. Yeah, McAvoy, Carlo, Camper are, are defensive guys right now. So McAvoy obviously, and Carlo, you want to keep. Oh, absolutely. And, you know. And they just signed Chara, too. I mean, it, granted, it was a team-friendly deal, and it was a one-year, like, vet thing. But, uh, um. They they will see some action next season for sure. Just I mean, and they'll be at the top of the list coming into camp. So if they aren't already on like sealed, I don't think they've sealed their spot on the roster, but they will definitely top of the list for sure. Definitely play for it in the uh, in in a training camp. That's for sure. Uh, Kevin Spencer from the Bear Cave Facebook group asks. Obviously, as we all know, the youth program has been up and down the past couple of years. Why do you think – who do you think will shine the most 
of the younger guys in the postseason? I think we're both on Coleman. Coleman, uh, can I say Jake DeBrusque? Yeah. yeah. Guy. Give me Jake DeBrusque all day and twice on Sunday. I love that guy. He's I was, awesome. I'm a huge fan regardless. I mean, I mean, when he, when he was picked in 2015, that's when the, the ticker for me started. And yeah. as soon as he left the podium, I, I, I wanted to know more about him. And I had the pleasure of watching this guy uh, play in the, in the Western Hockey League. And for, um, I want to say the Broncos, Swift Current. Yep, Swift Current Broncos. Wow. Wow, was this guy just dynamic on that team. And I'm just, yeah. I'm like, I'm so happy they, made, they, you know, they picked him up because he can play that, that Marchand type of, of, of role. That he could be yeah. so skilled and still put a smackdown on your ass if he needed it, you know. Um, but from his five goals in the first round last season, yep. I want to see what a Jake DeBrus could do with now a, that oh, experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the way he's been playing towards the latter part of the, the, uh, the, the hockey season, he's just been really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's his second season. I said this earlier. He set a career high in goals. But it's, like, beyond that. He has, like, such a big presence on the team. It's crazy. Like, he's, like, one of, like, the leaders in the locker room. Like, low-key. It's awesome. Like, and – they feed off his energy so much when he sellies like to the moon. It's awesome. If so, if Jake DeBrusque lights the lamp, he's going to go nuts in the playoffs. The TD garden is going to be rocking and it's the team is going to feed off that. Oh yeah. I, I know I am. I'll probably jump out my window. <laughs> um, moving on fellow member of the bear cave Facebook group, Lance, Scavita asked, do you think the Bolts will run the table? Meaning, do you think the Bolts will win it all? Or, or will the Bruins or someone else maintain the President's Cup curse? I think he means President's Trophy yeah. curse. Uh, well, here's the thing. I filled out my bracket, and I don't have Tampa Bay going all the way. Who you got? Well, it's a little team from uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I got the Boston Bruins. I was going to say Springfield Thunderbirds. <laughs> <laughs> Worcester Railers are winning them all. Uh, no, I think um, I, got, I got the Bruins beating the Predators in the finals, but obviously take that with a grain of salt um, because I write about the Bruins. But, yeah, uh, total bias. Total I bias. That, <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the Stanley Cup, if the Bruins get there, it's going to be the second round. I mean, that's just like, it's all converging in the second round. It's crazy. Tampa Bay, listen, if they get past Boston, I think Tampa Bay is winning it. I think whoever wins that second round matchup is, they are like so, both those teams are so good. And you, like, they've like kind of taken their foot off the gas over the last, and they still had what, like 62 wins tying the NHL record. People sleep on how good they are. Like, everyone knows how good they are, but they are crazy. Nikita right. Kucherov is, like, around 130 points this year. And Stamkos is, like, around 100. Unbelievable. Did didn't, didn't, didn't Kucherov tie the Tampa Bay Lightning for points? Didn't? Yeah, it was that they were at, like, uh, yeah. the last game of the season. He had 126, and then they had 126. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. That's just, just Monopoly money numbers. It was just, like, ridiculous. <laughs> 
but the one team that can I think can hang with them um, is Boston. All of their games have been my get rid of the regular season finale that missed me with that. They they've been tough games. Like they've Boston beat them four one in TD Garden, and then the two losses on the road. Boston lost by a goal and were leading in those games. That one they were up four two in the third period and then just ran out of gas because they were just like th- back end of three three games in four nights. So, mm-hmm. but if you watch those games. They were going blow for blow with Tampa Bay, and usually you see Tampa Bay just run over people. We've seen one of them demolish Toronto, and Toronto's a great hockey team. Right. No mistake about it. But Boston doesn't get, like, blown out by Tampa Bay. But, hey, we'll see. The Lightning are crazy good. I wouldn't be shocked. They beat the Bruins in five last year, but I think this Bruins team is better than last year. Hot take. There you go. Uh, Douglas Smith on my personal Facebook wall asked, will coach Cassidy ride Rask, even if he, I got to turn the page here. Uh, he has some hiccups and not hesitant to pull him, uh, and go with Halak. Seems uh, to be a common question lately. How, how big a hiccups are we talking? Like a one game blunder or well, like a tiny mistake? How about, is, how about a hiccup from the from the pretty much the red line center ice? Is that <laughs> enough to get him out? Here's the thing. Uh, that was bad, I, though. It's got to be like something like ridiculous. But I don't. I think if he makes a minor mistake, he's going to stick with his guns at least for like that game. But I think it, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a small leash on Rask in terms of like say he has like a pretty shaky game one, and things don't go our way. You have they paid for their, their goaltending this summer, and they, they wanted that to be addressed. And yep. they had Yaroslav Halak, who's a very capable backup, could start on a lot of teams this year. So Tuka Rask is going to be the guy, and I do have faith in Tuka Rask. So all you people out there are like, oh, Tuka's going to choke. I got faith in them. But they do, the Bruins do have a, a very capable backup. So if things don't go Rask's way, don't be scared. We got uh, – we got another guy back there. So yeah, I love the fact that it's a 2020 season for both of them, and that hasn't yeah. been done since um, early 90s, late 80s with uh, Reggie Lemon and uh, Andy Moog. So well, and I think they're the way they've approached goaltending this year is going to really pay dividends in the playoffs. Yeah, Perhaps because you cut played. you cut his minutes down. I mean, you know what I mean. You just you you had more faith in a starter type like Halak than you ever did with a backup yeah. like Hudobin. Yeah, and well, Tuka Rass played one of his lowest in his career. I think he was like around forty-five games ish, and then uh, Halak was around forty. I know they they shared some games in there. So I mean, you get what like ten, fifteen less games on Rask. That adds up. I mean, so sure. I think he's gonna. You're gonna see a fresh Tuka Rask, a motivated Tuka Rask. He's tired of hearing all your your garb <laughs> internet. So we're gonna we're gonna. I think. He's shown flashes this year. When the Bruins were on that 19-game point streak, Tuka yeah. Rask was also on like a 19-game. He hadn't lost since like before Christmas, and it was like mid-February. It was great to watch. So, And if I'm not mistaken, that point streak continued even after the Bruins yeah. lost because Halak was in net that time. Exactly. And it went so, on. So, If he can channel that form. And oh, it's going to be sick. If he can channel that form and the Bruins trot out four lines, when they get those like – that carousel rolling where it's like they are like tough, 
to like stop. It's, they're going to be – Bruins are going to be good. So it's going to be exciting to watch. And the tenth and final question is from my friend Darren Burris. Uh, asks on my Facebook wall, besides Savaris, Manor, and Matthews, who is the player the Bruins have to concentrate on the most? Um, uh, I think uh, Bruce Cassidy talked about it the other day. As, uh, Morgan Riley, kind of like, because he's going to be trailing the play. And he's been he's been lighting uh, up the score sheet this year for sure, but he said that he wasn't overly worried because if they just follow their defensive game plan, like the the high forward will cut off that like trailer. But if he said like if they lose track of him, he's just like throwing lasers from the point, and that will be that'll be tough. So um, Morgan Riley definitely on the defensive end. Um, yeah, I would I would say him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a tough one for me, Darren, because this, this team is just – They're loaded. Yeah, it's, I mean, they are. They're a lethal team. They play very well. Um, but there's, there's, every team has weaknesses. Like, obviously, the, the, the Maple Leafs are very strong up front. They have a weak defense, even though they have great supporting role, uh, characters like Morgan Riley and so on. And then their goaltenders is subject to yeah, whatever happens too. So That's going to be a huge thing. Not to cut you I mean, off. Yeah, I take advantage. I know advantage to Karask in this series, but the Bruins really have to get past that red line. Um, I know that there's the, the bottom six are, are grinding, you know, get to the red line, dump it in, grind it out type of lines. I want to see more across that line, cross that blue line, and yep. uh, create plays. And then if you can, you can't get a play, just throw it on net. Just throw shots on net, see what happens, see if you can create something. Because that's when I think that's what's going to get into Anderson's head is is a lot of shots and a defense that is 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 subject to make huge mistakes. I think that's going to be beneficial for the series. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I'm really excited for this series. It's, I'm like I'm itching for it. it's my first uh, NHL playoff game that I'm going to be covering. So I'm I'm really excited, and I think. Heck of a matchup for first round. People don't realize, like, the Boston Bruins, second in the NHL, Toronto Maple Leafs, fifth in the NHL, star-studded across the board. I mean, everyone that's watching this knows who's on the Bruins, but, like, the Maple Leafs have some studs. Austin Matthews, guy's going to be one of the faces of – he's already one of the faces yeah. of the – crazy talented, and, yeah, it's – TD Garden is going to be rocking Thursday night, so <laughs> – Bring the noise, everyone. It's it's gonna be a fun time. And before we before we get to your um your hot take that you and Court were talking about on, on Facebook earlier, um I want to know if uh, if I could possibly while well, you and is Tim going to Toronto too? Tim is not going to Toronto. I think I'm the I might be the only one from Bruins Daily going. I'm going solo. Oh, you suck! All right, <laughs> well, listen. Ask Tim if I can use your press pass while you're gone for TD Garden. Okay, I'll, I'll even run though, it by. Even though 17,565 won't be there, I'll still be the only one sitting there in the press box. <laughs> so I could check that one off my freaking bucket list. <laughs> there you go. All right, my friend, the, t- the floor is yours. Let's see what, let's see what you got. Um, well, it wasn't really a – I just got like a hunch. Sneaky big player this series, Chris Wagner. He's yeah, gonna be- nice. I think he's going to grind out some goals. He's going to be, like you said, around in and around the net doing the 
his thing. So uh, that was, it wasn't really a huge, huge bomb. But I don't know. Chris Wagner, first year on the team, Walpole, Wagner, like the guys. The mayor. Uh, he's going to be a difference maker for sure. And he's one of those people that, like, he's not an Austin Matthews, Pasternak, you know, not first guy that comes to mind. So, um, yeah, Chris Wagner. That's that was my nugget. I, I wasn't too much of a nugget, but I thought I was gonna some. I thought you were gonna bring the boom. I'm like, no, I, hey, here we go, here we go. Hey, maybe if I get if I get some good stuff from Toronto, maybe. But oh, I'll sure. actually I'll be there tomorrow from uh, the ninth floor for game one. I won't be there game two. Um, getting ready for Toronto and then three and four. I'll be up. Uh, I'll be up north, so it should be fun. I think. Nice. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.